I want to talk to you today about discover your purpose. You are amazing. You're wonderful. You're one in a million. In fact, you're one in seven billion. You are unique. Do you know, your body is unique. Some of you might say that that's a relief. (laughs) But I think everyone knows that the fingerprint, your fingerprint, is unique. No one in the world has the same fingerprint as you. But did you know also your toe print is unique? Your eye or your retina is unique. Your iris is unique. That's why going through passport control, it's enough if they recognize your iris. The shape of your eye is unique. Your ear is unique. Your tongue is unique. Your, the, if you could do lip prints instead of fingerprints, that would be unique as well. Your voice is unique. Your gait, your, the way you walk, nobody in the universe walks like you. You have a unique walk. Your life experiences are unique. Your relationships are unique. And your purpose is unique. God has a specific, unique purpose for you. And purpose in life is far more important than possessions or power. Most important days of your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why. And you have, your life has huge significance because you are a much-loved child of God. You're a follower of Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. And what Paul writes in Ephesians 4 is that the Holy Spirit living within you has given you gifts. He writes in verse 7, he says, To each one grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Jesus gave gifts to people. How do you find out what your specific, unique purpose is in life? Well, here's the secret. It's not going to land in your lap. It's not going to just be written unlikely in like great big letters in front of you. The only way to find out is to be willing to have a go. To try things out. See, spiritual inventories, where you can do tests, like find out your spiritual gift, they're fine. You know, they're okay. Although, I remember Rick Warren saying, he did one of those. And then he found out that his spiritual gift on this inventory turned out to be martyrdom. <laughs> he, he thought, oh, I can only use that once. <laughs> right. So it might be useful to find out, but even if you find it out like that, You've still got to give it a go. You've still got to try it out. You'll never know otherwise. It's true of everything in life, isn't it? You know, Andy Murray. How did he find out he was a great tennis player? Didn't wake up one day, oh my goodness, I'm the Wimbledon champion. 
No, age three, he went out on the court and gave it a go. I think encouraged by his mother, probably. <laughs> Give it a go. He wasn't very good, apparently, to begin with, but by eight, he was winning tournaments. He tried football. He wasn't so good at football. And he discovered tennis was his gift. I noticed that my grandson's report, he had got a great report, by the way, but he didn't want me to show it to everyone. But there's a little bit in the, in, in the report that I can show you, which is the criteria that they're looking for in a six-year-old child. And you see at the bottom of that first lift, being willing to have a go. That's the secret to finding out what your specific gift is. Be willing to have a go. Try things out. And your purpose is connected. That's what your part is connected. As each part, that's you, you're a part, each part does its work. And each part is connected to all the other parts. See, the image here is a body, one body, the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. From him, the whole body joined together. The Greek, in verse 16, is very interesting to me. Verse 16. Joined, the, the, the Greek word actually there starts with sun, which means together. So it's joined together and held together, or, or it could be translated knit together. But Paul's point is it's together. He's describing the body held together by every supporting ligament. So what, what Paul is saying is this. Your purpose can only be found in belonging, in the body of Christ. Purpose is found in relationships. It's in our relationship with Jesus and our relationships with his body, within his body. That's the only way you find your, body, your, your purpose. Because your purpose is all to do with connecting. Now, I, I love holidays. and we, We've been on holidays. It's great to get some rest. But to be honest, I was so excited to be back. Because I miss this community. I love all of you. I love being with you. Because you're family. You're the body. You're, I, I feel connection. And I miss that when, when we're only. And this is, this is how we're created to be. We're created for relationships. That's why so many people are lonely. Because they've never found this kind of connection within the body of Christ. They've never discovered real community. Very different from virtual community. That requires no commitment. But real relationships require commitment. Marriage requires commitment. That's why many people are not willing to get married these days. People are afraid of commitment. They want to keep their options open. And the same can be true with church. Don't want to commit. It's easy to kind of church hop, to dip in, dip out, dial out, consume, but not contribute. But if you do that, you will never discover your purpose. Because it's only as you're joined together, held together, that you find the purpose for which you are connected. So, we have a remarkable staff. 
And during the August period, uh, one of our staff gave a staff thought. I didn't think he'd ever given the staff thought before, but I listened to it. Doug Jones, he is in the finance team. He's been on the staff for 16 years. And he, his point was, every member of staff is vital. Every member of staff should get credit for everything that happens. Because they're all vital, because they all have a part to play, even the ones that are unseen. Like, he's a qualified accountant, he's on the, on the finance team, but nobody, nobody really knows about it. He's hidden. Most of the staff are hidden. They're in hidden roles. And his point is, every one of them is vital. And he used this illustration. He used the illustration of Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt, as you know, in the 4 by, four by 100 meters final, there he was, famous, iconic picture. There he was, Jamaica about to win the race, the gold medal. And one muscle in his body, in his hamstring. He later tweeted what that muscle was. A tear of the proximal myotendinous junction of biceps femoris in my left hamstring with partial retraction. One muscle out of 600 muscles in his body. Surely the other 599 were enough? Why did he need that one? You, know, you might feel that. There are all these hundreds of people in the church. They don't need me. Yes, they do. You are vital. Just takes one muscle not functioning. And it spoils it. We need everyone involved. If we're to see what could be, what could happen. And he's only one person in the race. There are three others in his team. And then there are the nutritionists and the trainers and all the other people involved. And everyone's vital. And you are vital. You have a part to play, and it is connected. See, his hamstring was vital because it's connected to all the other bits of his body. Supposing the hamstring says, well, I, I, don't, I don't need the rest of the body. I'll do my own thing. I'll just be a hamstring on my own. I'll go off and be hamstrings from different churches. I'll pop around and just... I'll have to be... What's, what, what can it do? It can't do anything. But when it's connected, it has a vital role. It's the same with you. When you're connected, when you're in the body of Christ, you are invaluable. So you're connected. And then Paul says here, you are on the front line. This is complete reversal to how most people think of the church. Most people think, okay, I'm the vicar of HTB. We've got all the clergy. They're the front line. The congregation, they're the kind of back line. They're the support. They come and listen to the clergy. They come and support, encourage, all the rest of it. But the clergy are really the thing, the church. And, and we're kind of the back line. No! Says Paul, it's the very opposite. You are the front line. We're the back line. We're here to support you. We're here, he says, verse 12, to equip God's people, to prepare God's people for works of service. You're God's people. 
And we're here to prepare you for ministry. What service there is diaconos. It comes from the Greek word diakonos, which means a deacon. You're all the deacons, the ministers. Every one of you is a minister. Let that sink in. You are an ordained minister. You're ordained in the sense that the Bible ordains you. You're, you're, you're equipped to serve, to be part of the body of Christ. And we are here to support you. And he names the leaders who are there as the back line to support. He says he gave, first of all, apostles. And you can use examples. I mean, these are just, I'm just taking examples in the history of HTB. Apostles, there are three senses in the New Testament. First of all, there's the unique sense, the apostles who are witness to the resurrection. That's the 12 plus Paul. Then there's a general sense, everybody's sent out. But then there's the sense in which it's being used here. These are the pioneers, the entrepreneurial leaders. And for example, here, that would be John Collins and Sandy Miller. Sandy's like the entrepreneurial pioneer. They, they, they started church planting from here. They were the one. Sandy was the one who stopped wearing robes. It was really pioneering, entrepreneurial to do that. Why did he do it? He said this. He said, look, read it. He, he quoted this verse. He said, look, you're the ministers, just like I'm a minister. We're all ministers. But if I wear these robes, you're looking at me and thinking, oh, you're the minister, because I look different. So he said, we've only got two choices. Either everybody wears robes, (laughs) or I take off my robes. Which would you prefer? And the congregation said, oh, I think it would be cheaper if, um, (laughs) if you took off your robes. So he's trying to make this point that you are equally the ministers in this church. You're on the front line. So the apostles and then the prophets. We've had wonderful prophets. Jeremy Jennings, I think, or particularly Ken Costa, has been like a prophetic voice. The The prophets see earlier. They see clearer. They see further. They're like the eyes of the church. And then the evangelists, I think of Toby Flint, who fronts Alpha here, and the film, Alpha film series. And then there are the teachers, like Graham Tomlin, now our bishop, and Nikki Lee, who was a teacher, Nikki and Silla Lee, amazing teaching ministry, the marriage, if you've never done the marriage course, do the marriage course. My son and daughter-in-law are about to do the marriage course. We're going to go on the marriage refreshing weekend. They are made. We've learned so much. They're, they're wonderful teachers. The pastors, Martin and Emily Lazelle, for example, who are like the associate vicars here who oversee all four sites, all ten services. They, they have a wonderful pastoral gift. They're like shepherds of the flock. What are we all doing? We're here to equip you for the work of ministry. You are the minister. You're on the front line. I used to be a barrister. I was on the front line then. I was a lawyer. I read, I remember when I was a lawyer, I read about in the New Testament about Zenas the lawyer. I thought, it's okay. You can be a Christian lawyer. That is possible. Rare, but possible. So I, I, you know, what, what can you do? You can, you can try and lead a life of authenticity and integrity and, and see justice and compassion combined. You're, you're, you're the minister in your workplace, in your community, in your family. And 
course, you also have a role in the church. I, I pray, pray for the church. I, I give to the church. I served in the church. But we're involved. All of you are involved in the transformation of society on the front line. In law. Or arts and entertainment. Or healthcare. Or education. Or politics. We have a politics prayer breakfast here on Wednesday, to pray for our politicians. We'll have several members of parliament here from right across the parties. And we'll pray for them because they are on the front line of government. And you are on the front line. You are the ministers of the church. And your purpose is to transform your workplace, your family, your community, to transform the society around you. Your salt and light where you are. You're making a difference. You might not think you're making a difference, but you are because the Spirit of God is living within you and you are having an impact in your workplace, in your family, and in your community. And think what could happen in all these spheres. We have a vision to see London changed. We want to see this, this city transformed in your school in your university, wherever you're involved, you are a minister of Jesus Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. And that's the vision, to see the transformation of London. If you change London, London's a global city. If London has changed, it will have an impact on the UK and on the entire globe. And we have the potential to have that impact because you are on the front line. And then you're connected, you're on the front line, and then also you are maturing. Your part, your part is connected, your part is on the front line, and your part is maturing. It will change, it will develop as the years go on, as you give things a go, as each part does its work. What is your part? Some of you here might say, I know exactly what my part is. I, 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 this is my, my role, and I do it, and I know exactly what it is. If you are, that's unusual. Most people would say, I'm not quite sure. I'm just trying various things. Some of you might say, well, I've never tried. I'm new to this. Maybe you, you did Alpha last term. I'm thinking of our amazing Alpha small group of people who've just come to faith in Jesus. What's your role? Try something. If you've never done Alpha, I really recommend you try Alpha. Just 10 weeks. Give it a try. Be willing to have a go. That's all it takes. Be willing to have a go doing Alpha. If you've never been in a connect group, be willing to have a go. They run in terms. Just 10 weeks. Oh, I've tried a connect group. Try another one. Be willing to have a go. If you've never been on a team, be willing to have a go. Try things out. Yeah. I'm now the vicar of HDB. I wasn't born the vicar of HDB. I didn't wake up one day and go, oh, I'm going to be the vicar of HDB. Yeah, I, I, when, I, when I encountered Jesus, when I was 18 years of age at university, I wanted everybody to know what I'd experienced. Once you know Jesus, you want everyone to know that, don't you? But I didn't know how to go about it. 
what I did think was, well, I, I can invite them to things. I'll invite them to church. I'll invite them to, to the equivalent of Alpha. But I found the only way to get people was to give them food. So I, I, I just became a cook. Not a, not, in fact, a terrible cook. But I, I, used to, I spent three years, basically. The number one thing I did was cook. I just I got an electric frying pan. And I, made, I learned how to bake a cake in an electric frying pan. <laughs> Nikki Lee and I shared rooms together. And I did the cooking and he did the dividing. We used to go to Sainsbury's. And in those days, tins had wrappers around them. They didn't have that anymore. And when the wrappers had come off, the shop didn't know what was in that tin. So they put them in a basket and they'd sell them off really cheaply. You could buy several tins for about 10p. So that's what we used to do. We used to invite people around. We'd get a whole lot of tins, and we'd hope we got a main course and a pudding. And we would do it like that. One time, we gave them spaghetti bolognese. I got half a pound of mince and 20 pounds of spaghetti. I put all the spaghetti into one bowl and put some water in, and it became one jelly thing. We had to carve it like that <laughs> into, into spaghetti. Another time, I thought I was going to give people spaghetti bolognese, and I thought, what's the cheapest meat I can buy? And I bought something called lights, which turned out to be stomach lining. And it was revolting, and there was lots of stomach lining going on. So, yeah, I wasn't very good at it, but I tried it. And then I tried... So when I left university, there was a place called The Kitchen, which is a lot of people like the start of what was happening at HCB. And I did the washing up there. I loved the people there, and I wanted to be involved in this kind of Christian community. So I, every night, I was doing my bar exams at the time, every night I just went there and washed up. And actually, I, was, I enjoyed washing up. I'm not very good at cooking. I love washing up. <laughs> so I did that every night. This is a way of... I tried other things. I tried, I tried things to do with the homeless. I tried, I tried teaching. I tried, I, we used to run a course here called Lighthouse. I was a lighthouse tutor, and I used to mark the essays. One time, Nicky Lee came round and he read the comments I'd written on the essays. And I've never seen him do this before or since. But he was laughing so much he couldn't stand up. He was on the floor, rocking like a baby, <laughs> laughing at the comments I'd written. I knew I was not suited to be a teacher. <laughs> I try, I've been trying a mentor, but nobody who's come to me to be a mentor has ever come back. So, <laughs> so I know that's not my thing either. You, you try things. I, I, I tried Alpha, and I found I loved that. I'm on my 82nd small group in a row. I've kept going with that one. <laughs> but I think it's only as you look back, you can say, oh, maybe that's the thing. But you don't know in advance. Often we're in a fog. We, don't, we think everybody else knows. They don't. We're all just trying to find our way and exploring. But you've got to give it a go. And you've got to know that... God does have this specific purpose and you will look back on your life if you keep going, if you keep trying and you'll know that you've found it and it's matured as you go through. And then your part will lead to growth. Verse 16, Paul says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. The whole body grows. And that's been the story here. 
When I first came to this church in 1976, the congregation here at Bromden Road was about 50 people, no one under 50, and we ran a mission in 1979. Sandy Miller was the vicar. It, start, it had started to grow then. We ran a mission. It's called Step Forward, and we all met in people's homes, uh, and we gave people food, and people went around and, and gave talks. John Collins came as the missioner. We planned it for a whole year, and we were thrilled. Because one person became a Christian, Caroline Compton. The only one, whole year, we were thrilled. We, we'd get her up on the stage. Caroline, tell us your story. <laughs> Following term, Caroline, tell us your story. <laughs> the next year, Caroline, tell us your story. We were so pleased. Someone had become a Christian. Now look at Alpha. Hundreds of people coming on each course. It wasn't always like that. This has grown. You know, the the, the, the um, ordinance. We had, I, I remember when Simon Downham put his name forward for ordination. Amazing. He's now the vicar of St. Paul's Hammersmith. About four years later, Rick Thorpe put his name forward. He's now the Bishop of Islington. Every few years, someone would come forward for ordination. We were really excited. We had someone from the church going forward for ordination. At Focus this year, on Saturday morning, I said, I, I decided to restrict it. If you're under 30 and you're considering ordination in the Church of England, would you come to the front? Around 100 people came forward. That is, I don't believe that's ever happened in the history of the Church of England Literally in 500 years, there are 100 people have come forward at one time and offered themselves for ordination in the Church of England. I mean, this is amazing. I mean, look at, look at this church. Look at what's happening at Onso Square. I, I, you know, one of the things Sandy asked me to try, give it a go, uh, Pepper and I, would you have a go at, 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 at running a, what was now would be called a connect group? I said, well, I, we can't do a connect group. We just got married. And it says in Deuteronomy that you're meant to take a year off after you got married. You're not supposed to go to war just after you got married. Sandy said, well, I'm not asking you to go to war. I'm just asking you to run a connect group. I said, well, we got, you know, I, at that time, we were, our mattress was on my law notes. I said, you know, that's, we're in this one room and my mattress is on our law notes. And, and he said, does that matter? I said, we haven't got any curtains. He said, does that matter? And in the end, everything I raised, he just said, does that matter? And I went, okay, Sandy, we'll run a connect group. And we ran a connect group. Why? Because his group had filled his house, and so he needed other connect groups. And then all the connect groups used to come together once a month in church house, and it was called The Joint. Slightly unfortunate name <laughs> these days. And then we'd have The Joint Joint. And then we started having evening services here. And then this started to grow. And then we started, in 1985, started to plant churches in London initially. And then, 2009, first church plant outside of London. Now, there are several city center church plants around the country. Yesterday, there was an article in the Financial Times. I went to buy the Financial Times. I've never bought the Financial Times before. It costs £3.80. Can you believe it? <laughs> For a newspaper, £3.80. But I only bought it because of the magazine. I haven't read the rest of the paper. Uh, but the, the, the magazine, the FT Weekend, is Can the Church of England Survive? Article by Jeremy Paxman. 
And uh, as you can imagine, it's pretty cynical. And he says quite a lot of things. But this is what he says, among other things, about HTB. He says, HTB, the noisiest part of the Church of England. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> On so square, make a lot of noise. He says, he visited um, St. Peter's in Brighton. He says, you can almost hear St. Peter's Brighton before you get to see the towering neo-Gothic stonework. Plenty of tattoos on show. That's encouraging. (laughs) St. Peter's is a success story. The church that was built in Brighton was vast. But by 2007, the number of people rattling around in it on Sundays had become so embarrassingly small that the church commissioners were ready to declare it redundant. Enter HTB. It has now built a congregation of almost a thousand. Its message is welcoming and forgiving. And there is much uplifting of palms and raising of arms in the air. The overwhelming impression is that people are enjoying themselves. Shocking. In a church, enjoying themselves. Disgraceful. Must put a stop to it. A young woman at the doorway explains how the church has helped her put her life back together after years of drug addiction. A formerly homeless man smiles a greeting. The vicar, Archie Coates, introduces to the congregation a woman who's been spared a prison sentence on drug charges, almost, it sounds, as a consequence of divine intervention with the judge. Praise the Lord. That's his words. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Jeremy Paxman. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You would have to have a heart of stone not to be moved by the stories of souls and lives saved in St. Peter's. Jeremy Paxman in the Financial Times. Look what's happened over these years. Amazing. But look what could happen in the next year, in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, next 40 years. Imagine what could happen as each part does its work. It's not just HCB. Of course, amazing things happening with Soul Survivor. Thousands of young people. Hundreds actually going forward from ordination from Soul Survivor. Jesus House, planting churches, mainly Nigerian, all over this country. Amazing. Hillsong, packed churches on, on Sunday. Thousands, tens of thousands of people across the world with that church. Amazing things. Each part. But this, we too have a part here. And within that, you have a part. And wouldn't it be... Just imagine what could happen if each person here, each person at Onso Square, you play your part. What could happen? We really could see the evangelization of this nation, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of our society. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Bear Grylls. My favourite way to start the day, the Bible in one year. That's how wild I am. Find out more at BibleInOneYear.org or download the Bible in One Year app.